turn in your Bibles or open your apps to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to finish our series about lessons from the valley. Lessons in the valley. This is a valley season in our lives. That's okay. Embrace the valley seasons. Jesus did. The Bible says that after he was baptized, that the Spirit of the Lord drove him into the wilderness. It's the Spirit of the Lord that put him in the valley season. And all of his earthly ministry would be downloaded into him in that 40 days of prayer and fasting. That's not our text, but because I don't have any more. On, that's it. That, that's all I have on that text. But that valley season, although it was a difficult time for him, was the time when the Bible says he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. So don't, uh, don't be resistant to the valley seasons in your life. You don't grow spiritually until you go down low into the wilderness. You go down low to where Jesus went, and that's what we learn. All right, we'll turn to Isaiah 40. Hopefully you're there. Let me set this up. Isaiah is the prince of prophets. His ministry is over 50 years. He's called the prince of prophets because he didn't just prophesy about Israel. He wasn't just talking about uh, chapter 1 through 39, which was their proclaiming of their captivity, repent, turn. He did do that. But he also prophesied of all the known world, all the kingdoms of the world he prophesied about. He prophesied about Babylon. He prophesied about Assyria. And then from after we get to verse 40 right here, the stage changes. 1 to 39 is about Israel, about the kingdoms of the world. And then when we get to verse 40, and the reason he's the prince of the prophets is because it's time to turn to the eternal kingdom and the eternal king. And his gaze is on humanity, and then it becomes infinite as he begins to open his mouth and proclaim the Messiah, the Savior. And that's where we are in verse 40. We're going to read 1 through 8. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended and that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. I'll explain that. Double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Oh, wait, this sounds familiar. It should. It should sound like John the Baptist was proclaiming in the New Testament. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. This is not about Israel. It's the world. All flesh shall see it together. Or I should say, it's not about Israel only. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry out? All flesh is as grass, and all its loveliness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, But the word of the Lord stands forever. Kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall. Economies go up, economies go down. Presidents come up, presidents come down. I already said economies. (laughs) Everything is fluid except the Lord who is fixed forever. So we understand that. 
All right, before we jump into our points, and I know I love to teach and get into the nitty-gritty and all of those things. I love those things personally. But I was reading this, and I was convicted and excited at the same time about the beginning of this text. It says, comfort my people. Because he's talking about the salvation of God, and the salvation of God is the most comforting statement. It's the most comforting topic. It's the most comforting thing you can sing about, talk about, do drama about, act about, pantomime about, mime about, sign about, whatever it is. The word of the Lord and the salvation of God is the most comforting. That's why he says it over and over. And he says something right here. He says, she has says, she has received from the hand of the Lord double for all her sins. I was like, okay, what does that mean? So I had to go back in history and understand that. Double means to fold over in half. Not the double like I'm giving you two of, but it means to fold in half. It's the same word when you read in Deuteronomy when God gave them very specific directions on how to build the tent. And he gave them very specific directions of the curtains. And I never understood, you know, you read through Deuteronomy, it can be slow sometimes, right? Come on, it's hard sometimes. It says, it has all these, over a chapter, about folding the curtains a certain way. Like, what in the world? The answer is right here. So right here it says, you have received double for your sins. It means the perfect covering of. And I thought, you know what, Lord? I love to teach. I love the deep things of the Lord. But so many times, we need to just stop and think about the glorious and simple salvation of the cross of Jesus Christ. And this is the best way I can illustrate it. The kids shouldn't have left, actually. They should have stayed in here. This feels like a children's ministry um, thing. But I want to show you what this means. So this is just a piece of paper, and I just wrote in there, my sin, and I just put you know, fear and doubt and rejection and weakness and all of that. Just whatever your list is, you know, whatever your sin, you, it's going to be full. And this picture means the perfect match to cover. It doesn't mean a covering. It means the perfect covering. And it's the picture of the Old Testament curtains that had to match perfectly. And it says, you're saying God has given you the double. He's folded himself over on your iniquity is the, the literal Hebrew. And I want to show you this. You know, the world, this is their ability and they're trying and all their mess. They're trying to fix Really, this is the world. You see what the world does for our sin? This is, that's, that's generous. That's about what the world can do. That's generous. I could, if I could tear it, tear it smaller, I would. It means to perfectly match. Oh, Michelle, children's director, pray for me. I'm doing a craft. Oh, pray for me, Michelle, Miss Crafty Lady. Oh, Jesus. Hey, the Lord help me. Good prayer. It means that it has been folded in such a way and sealed with the blood that no matter where you look, you can't see it. Tell my people, tell my people that no matter what valley they've been in, no matter what they've dealt with in their life, when they come to me and they come under my blood, You can't see any mark, no matter which way you turn it. It's the perfect fold. It's the perfect answer to the sin of the world. It's not a answer. It's the perfect match 
For him who knew no sin became sin. The God-man Jesus folded his righteousness over on us. Amen? Now, I know that's almost silly, isn't it? A little bit. But I want to tell you, we need to think about the simplicity and the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In our personal life, I just thought, oh God, you folded your righteousness over on me and applied it to me. And there is no there is no mark anymore. And we need to, as Christians, in any valley time, in every season, we need to think, oh God, you've given me the double for all her sins. Amen? Before we even learn anything from the Word of God, just in those few minutes that we, we've thought about this, just think, oh God, you have saved me. Your salvation is glorious. It's wonderful. It's the perfect match and fit for all my sins. Amen? There is not a corner or a crease. There is no blemish or spot. Amen and amen. That's the gospel of our Lord Jesus. We need to always be reflecting on the gospel. Amen? All right, let's jump into this. Now that we've talked and honored the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Now, if you remember, John the Baptist, they came to him and said, Hey, who are you? Are you him? Power of God's with you? You some kind of Messiah? What's going on? He said, No, no, no. He said, you go tell whoever sent you, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. That's who I am. And he quoted, obviously, they knew exactly what he was quoting from, the famous Isaiah passage. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness, the barren, desert, dry, isolated, and even abandoned places. Now, you remember John the Baptist. Why? This is, <laughs> you know this is the Lord. If you're going to start a ministry... Don't go out in the wilderness and start it. If I wanted to grow a megachurch, I would not go to Mamou, Louisiana. How many people live in Mamou? Like 14 and three dogs. If you're from Mamou, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Why? So everyone would know this has nothing to do with man. I'm going to go out to the wilderness and the power of God is going to be so strong that people are going to come to me. It says, they came to John. And then we went to the Jordan. They followed him to the Jordan to be baptized. The power of God knows no valleys. It knows no hills. That's what this is saying. I will level everything. Everything that's crooked, I'll make straight. It doesn't matter what it looks like in the world. The power of God is greater than. And that's what we need to understand as Christians. That's what we need to understand about the gospel. And that's what we need to understand about ourselves and where we're called to go. Number one in your notes. God's people are found in desolate places. Go to the desolate places. Get on your knees. Pray. Seek the Lord. And he may, God already may have you in desolate places. And let the power of God come in that wilderness. That's the life of a Christian. Amen? We're called to those places and look around like there's nothing here. Lord, either you're going to do it or it ain't going to happen. And that's where God is glorified most. 
go to the wilderness where nothing should happen. Rome can't even make it happen. The Pharisees can't make it happen. All the temple can't make it happen. But John's blowing it up in the wilderness in this desolate place. Now, desolate places are everywhere. I have realized the brokenness of America and the world, and we all have more clearly the last six months. Wow. This is good, though, because everyone's realizing how desolate it is. Rome was full of people, but it was spiritually bankrupt. The temple had lots going on, but very little spiritually. Not none. Remember, there were some godly people there. Uh, when Jesus was being baptized, they were there at the temple, praying and fasting. But please understand that these wilderness places, God calls us to so he can be glorified and can actually move, can truly move. Now, I was thinking about even, I know live in a nice neighborhood, and, and even by American standards, a nice middle class, upper middle class neighborhood. You know, we have an HOA, and, and we have... Uh, parties a couple times a year. We have a security system that has a camera on the front that they put. I mean, it's a nice place. It is no, no one. I mean, it's, a, it's a coveted neighborhood. I live, you know, where I live. But on my street that I'm aware of, there's no other Christians. If by the world standards, that's what you're trying to achieve, it is a horrible wilderness that I pray for very often that God would change it and God would move. Because I don't care how many cars you have and how nice it is and you've you got a pool and everything else, it is a wilderness to me. And I cry out to God that he would change that. I don't care if everyone wants to move there. Amen? That's the world we live in, but praise God, it's a great opportunity. Please understand, it's a great opportunity. The Lord seems to be priming the pump, the pump here. Let's keep looking. So what's the ministry that we've been given in this valley time? In this wilderness place. What's the ministry God's given us in this valley? The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Look at the next statement. Prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. Now to understand this, we need to go to the New Testament. Scripture, interpret Scripture. I should say to understand this better, go with me to Luke 4. Excuse me, Luke 3, 4 through 6. This is... John answering the question. This is John the Baptist, Jesus' first cousin. This is the one who prepared the way for the Messiah. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight, every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be straight, and the rough way smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of our God. Okay, wait, Stephen, you haven't gotten to the point yet. Next scripture. Scripture, interpret scripture. Just go a few pages over. Luke 7, 28. John the Baptist's ministry is ending. And it seems to be ending very prematurely. It seems to be, ah, pfft. well, that was a disappointment. That was anticlimactic. Oh, nope. That's what it was if you read the text. That's not what Jesus said, so we need to change our view on it. I'm just saying in his time, remember even the disciples, his disciples are struggling. Everyone, watch what Jesus says. Verse 28, For I say to you among those born 
of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. That simply means John was the last old covenant prophet. He dies before Jesus, and whoever is in the kingdom under the grace of Jesus has a greater covenant than than him. That's what the end part means. But the first part says, there's none born greater than John who was born among women. He has the most successful ministry. He's one of the greatest men of God. Ah, That's like you just recruit the all-star for $100 million. He gets out there and turns his ankle in the first 30 minutes. Dragging him off the court. Whoa. No. This is why. Number two on your notes. Preparation may be the most important ministry. Let me explain Isaiah in Eastern mindset, and remember they're in the East here in Jerusalem. So it says, prepare the way of the Lord. That's a dignitary, a kingly, a monarch statement. So what would happen with these kings and very wealthy people, what they would do is say they're traveling across the desert to go see someone. We have this in the Old Testament. Remember the Queen of Sheba goes to see Solomon, and she has a great entourage with her. So they, there's two things they do. One, they have scouts who go ahead militarily who make sure that that is a good route that it's prepared, there's no major rocks in the way. They moved rocks. And in fact, actually, they created roads. They believed the Queen of Sheba, there was actually no road. She created a road to go to Solomon. That's how great the, the, the road workers went before her, so the road was smooth. It was not uncommon not only to send heralds to proclaim through the town and through everyone. That's why it says, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight the paths. You removed rocks. When the carriage was going, they didn't want a bumpy carriage. Smooth. All that preparation, all those people, all that laboring, all that manpower, a military, and usually the best military, would go all that prep to prepare the way for the king. This is why it's such a big deal. I have no idea when the Lord's coming back, but we're closer than we've ever been. It is the greatest honor of your life and mine to prepare so close. To prepare for 2,000 years. He has been working and he has been prepping until all have heard his name, until the glorious time of his return. All that road, all that proclamation of the gospel, all that biblical worldview, all you're doing, it is the greatest honor of our life to be the preparing right before he comes. Amen? Oh, does your life have great purpose? Does it have great meaning? Now think about it in your personal life. Preparing those children. It's important. Oh, it's important. Preparing everyone and anything you can do as you're proclaiming the king in his soon return. Preparation may be your most important ministry. It may be mine, right? We need to see ourselves as John the Baptist. Find yourself in the Bible, as I say often. We need to see ourselves as those that make straight the paths, as move any rock that we can, as, as no high, high hills that are too difficult. They would cut roads through mountains. They would, if, if, in, they would build bridges, whatever they had to do to prepare the way for that monarch and that king. This is the Eastern 
culture. This is the, the way the Bible was written. It was very vivid in the mind of the believer, of, of the hearers. We don't necessarily think like that. But you can see what a big deal it is here. Well, let's make it real to us. Let me show you a picture here. A little U.S. history, make it on our side. This is the Wilderness Road. In the late 1700s, a very famous big old guy who probably actually didn't wear coonskin hats. I was told by history, historians it was probably a beaver skin hat. He cut a trail in less than 30 days. Make sure I get my history right. With 30, ac- with 30 expert axemen... He cut a trail, the Cumberland Trail, which would become the Wilderness Trail, which is what would open up. So we're only as far as Virginia. You see where that purple starts? That's as far as we had. Everything else was just woods. He cut a trail 200 miles, the Cumberland Gap, through a very difficult part of the Ozark Mountains. Yes, his name was Coonskin Hat. Daniel Boone. That's right. Mr. Boone. He cut a trail for, in 30 days, 200 miles with 30 men. That is un. I cannot. I, I had to research it four times to make sure that was true. I was like, there is no. You, some of you may have been there. There is a Cumberland National Forest. There is a monument set up. The reason why it is such a big deal is because it opened up Kentucky, Tennessee, which would be Indiana and Ohio, which was not open in the U.S. There were some bad things that happened too. There were. Wars with Indians and everything else. Nothing's ever perfect. Let me tell you why this is such a big deal, though. It opened up the gospel and brought ministers and Christians to places of America. Now, listen, that no Christian had ever stepped before. Had ever stepped. And all it was was preparation. All he did was cut a road. But it opened up a place So the gospel could freely flow. Not only the gospel, but some other things. Among the 200,000 immigrants that took the wilderness road over the next several years, there was one, Abraham Lincoln's grandfather, who in 1779 traveled the wilderness road from Virginia to Kentucky, where America's 16th president would be born in a small wooden cabin, which they still have there. It may have been a recreation in 1809. You have no idea how God can use your preparation. You have no idea. Just bring it to God. Just say, Lord, here's two loaves. Here's five loaves and two fish. Here, I'll do everything I can do. Here I am. You can do whatever you want to do with it. It'll be much greater than you ever can imagine. Amen? Amen. Remember that. And the kids just broke something and spilled something all over the floor and everything else. Not that that happens in my house, or that's a personal thing coming out of my mind. Let's go back to our text. Oh, no, I got a couple scriptures here. Let me show you how important preparation is. One last scripture, 2 Chronicles 12, 14. I want to show you something in, the, in the Israel's history. You know, they have the golden age. You got Dave, King David, then you got King Solomon, and he uh, economically and militarily expands it all over the place. Then you have his son, Rehoboam, right before the kingdom splits. I never understood this in the Bible. 
right before the kingdom splits, why do they have the worst, a civil war and a splitting in Israel that happened and they never came back together until after back captivity? Why did that happen? And there's a tiny little verse that it helped me understand that because that's catastrophic, right? Second Chronicles 12, 14. This is speaking of Rehoboam. And he did evil because he, he did not what? He did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord as the new leader. And because he didn't prepare, it crumbled around him. Solomon, although he messed up, got on his face at the beginning of his life, at the beginning of his kingdom, and did what? I am not smart enough. I am not wise enough. God, if you don't help me, I can't do this. And, and you have to help me lead this great people. And God said, because you've asked for this, I'm going to give you all the other also. But Rehoboam and the fall of the kingdom happened because he didn't prepare. Never saw that in Scripture. I never understood the fall, the split in the kingdom. It was after this Scripture that it was prophesied that, that the kingdom was split. All right. Y'all got that one. Here we go. Last one. We're heading home. Verse 6 through 8 in Isaiah 40. Right here in Isaiah 40. So he gives... Everything that you're supposed to do, prepare. You, you go road through the mountain, raise the valley, take the rocks out, all these things. Then verse 6, the voice said, to me, said, cry out. Okay, what do I say? And he said, what shall I cry? How do I pre- present this gospel thing? What am I supposed to tell people? This may surprise you a little. Tell them that God loves them. No, that's not there. Tell them that it'll be okay. Tell them just pray. Tell them to go read John 3.16. This is large print and I can't see that. We need to know what's here. All flesh is grass. And all its loveliness is like the flower that fades. I would have never believed the ugliness of this nation, even in its state, if you'd have told me that six months ago. I would not have believed it. I didn't, would not believe we've slipped that far. It's okay, though, because God's prepping. God's in control. He's the sovereign king of the universe. He always has been. There is no other way. Verse 7, the grass withers, the flower fades Because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely, then he keeps going. Surely, truly, the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's make some adjustments in our gospel presentation and our talking. And it needs to be biblical adjustments. And God's always adjusting me. He needs to adjust us, right? I like a good adjustment. Oh, the older I get, I need one. Number three on your notes. Preach on the frailty, the brokenness of us all. 
how we wither, how a society can wither, how leadership is weak sometimes. The frailty of humanity is what we're not talking about. The brokenness, the sin in the gospel message. Amen? We are broken. We are sinful. Everything around us withers like this. Peace that seems to be so great, gone. Stability, gone. This is the gospel and preach it to everyone. That we, it is only when we realize our state, it is only when John came to God's people with the blessing, with all the promises of Abraham, and he said, you're grass. You have got to come to Christ. You have got to prepare your hearts because you're going to fade and wither. We have Abraham. He's not enough. We have Isaac. We have Jacob. We have Moses. Not good enough. There's only one. There's only one. Amen? Let's talk about this to our children. Talk about this to your spouse. Talk about this in a right and loving way in your workplace, in your sphere of influence, and God will give you the ability. Listen to me. He says, the voice says, cry out. He says, what shall I cry? The Lord did not leave him say, you go figure it out. That's small faith, and I'm growing in this too. What do you want me to do, Lord? How do you want me to say it? Because if you did it for them and I've got a better covenant, how dare I think you're not going to give me direction in my life? Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. God wants to do a work in us to prep us to meet everything in the world and overcome it, right? What has overcome the world? This, even our faith. Do not fret and do not worry. God is just prepping us to do a greater work and to be more influential in the world. Let me show you this last scripture in 1 Peter. He's going to quote what we just read. This is 1 Peter, not Isaiah. Because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is as the, flowers of gr- the flower of grass. The grass withers and its flowers fade away. Look at verse 25. But the word of the Lord endures forever. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Now this is the word which by the gospel we preached to you. Let me ask you a question. Was Peter a successful proclaimer of the gospel of Christ? That's the one who stood up and like 3,000 people got saved, right? Was Peter successful? Amen. Yes. Very few did it better than him. Are we going to just do it like Peter? Amen. We're going to do it like him. That's what he just said. Let's do it. That's what we're going to do. Amen. Come on, let's come to the Lord. Come on, let's come to the Lord. You've been asking him to move. You've been praying that, Lord, Lord, would you, would you give me influence? Would you move? Would you move? Would you move? Lord, combat this. Oh, he will. He is. This is the gospel preached to you. Well, let the Lord move in your heart right now. Let the Lord move in your heart right now.
Let Him even burden you for somebody, for something. Let Him give you words to speak. He will not leave you or forsake you. And when you ask, what do I say? He will fill your mouth with good things. Talk to Him. Father, fill your people with faith. Lord, ignite the word that that's, we've been talking about, that we've been honoring here. Make it alive in their heart and mind. Lord, ignite it in me. Let it come up with power and conviction. Help us be the preparers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, preparing the way for his return. Oh, let us be as faithful to it as John was, as faithful to it as Isaiah was. Though they were hundreds and hundreds of years apart, they were faithful to the call. Come on, let's receive it. Lord, make us like Isaiah. Lord, make us like John. Lord, make us that faithful mother, that faithful father. Fill us with your word, Lord. Let us be a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Speaking of your glory and our weakness. And it would cause us to run to your answer. It's the cross. Let's just worship him as we close. Oh yes, Lord. I am chosen Come on, it's who you are forsaken. Yes, it's who you are and I am who you say I am Cause you are for me Not against me I am who you say I am Church, you are chosen Not forsaken Cause I am are for me, not against me, and I am who you say I am, no, I am who you say I am, do this on all the voices, come on children of God, who is free, I don't have quiet children, come on, we all speak, Oh, you're, yes, Lord. Yes, I am. Well, he's got a word for all of you. He wants to put a word in your mouth. You start asking, what shall I say? What will I do, Lord? And he will give you direction. He will speak to you. He will fill your mouth with good things. Come on, you keep asking. Yes, Lord. I'm a child.
Let's lift our hands as we close. Just receive. There's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Oh, thank you. Lord, thank you for our salvation. Lord, thank you that you've made it white. You folded us, all of our sin, all of our doubt, all of our weaknesses. Lord, under the blood, it's perfectly white and clean. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, miraculous, glorious salvation. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Now with that salvation, and not before, but with it, we will go forward. With it, we will go forward. And before we close, if there's anyone in here that you don't know Christ is Savior, and you want to know Him, you want to know this hope we have. If there's anyone like that, just quickly raise your hand. Confess them before men. We love you here. Is there anyone like that? Well, let's all come to the Lord then. I'm going to lift your hands. Lord, I thank you that you are filling all of us with good things. There is no lack, Lord, in you. So I thank you that we're coming to you. And we're saying, Lord, what do you want us to do? What direction do you want us to take? And with even a conversation, with even posting something on social media, Lord, I think that the Spirit of God is increasing in everyone's life. The Spirit of God is giving direction and saying, do this and don't do that. Write this and don't write that. Say this and don't say that. I thank you that clear direction is coming to every one of your children to be led by the Spirit of God. And they will know, people will know that we have Christ. People will know that we have been with God as we have clear direction from the Holy Spirit based on the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, that you are giving us everything we need to be successful in every area of our life for your kingdom, for your glory, both now and forevermore. And everyone said, amen and amen. Now praise him. Praise him, the only true God. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day.